the Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report. Minority Report Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Juan here. Before we start with this week's episode, we wanted to continue with our month-long highlight of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. This week, we would like to highlight Haunani K. Trask, an indigenous Hawaiian educator, activist, author, poet, and filmmaker. Trask was born in 1949 to a politically active family, many of whom advocated for Hawaiian statehood. She has dedicated her life to advocating for a free and independent Hawaii and to keeping Hawaiian culture alive. During her youth, Trask became heavily involved in the anti-Vietnam War movement while studying at the University of Wisconsin. And later on, she became an active supporter of the Black Panther Party while studying at the University of Chicago. Trask has worked tirelessly advocating for Hawaiian sovereignty and has organized and participated in protests for land rights. She has spent years teaching at the University of Hawaii at Manoa and and on the subjects of Polynesian women and political movements in both Hawaii and other Pacific Islands. Trask has also anchored and produced First Friday, a monthly public television show highlighting cultural and political issues that impact Native Hawaiians. In 2019, she was awarded the Angela Y. Davis Prize for her work in education, activism, and the arts. So thank you so much for uh, listening. We're going to keep highlighting more important people for the remainder of the month. And now we'll continue with the regular episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Minority Report podcast. We're very happy to have you guys here again. And we are very excited because today we have two wonderful new guests for you guys to listen to. Uh, As always, Isaiah and Yadiel are here. Uh, What's up, guys? How are you? What's up? What's up? Good, good, good. Man, Alex. Alex, I just want to give away. I just want to say something to Alex. All right, man. Like, Alex, just just come back, man. We don't know what you're doing. We know you're working. We know you're out and about. Just, just, just come back. We we'll miss you, man. You know, we're hard man. to solve the migrant crisis. You gotta leave him alone, bro. Oh yeah, he is hard at work. But yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But yeah, hopefully we'll have him back one day. But for now, we have two wonderful guests. We have Catherine Tobar and Hi. Maria Duran. How are you guys? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Very good. 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 Hey. Good. Very happy that y'all could come on. Um, I was really excited about this specific episode because this is actually Catherine's idea. She recommended it a long time ago. She was like, you know what? You should do a you should do like a series for different minorities in each field, uh, like uh, like a vocational field. And I was like, wow, that's actually a great idea. So yeah. why not start with your own field, Catherine? So. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just a quick background. Catherine and Maria are both in the, they're both in STEM, but more specifically, they are in uh, the biomedical and biotechnology sectors. And they have a lot of really cool, interesting research that they've done or they're doing right now. And they have um, interesting perspectives on how that world is because they don't only have just uh, the side of academia, but also Um, research labs that are outside of um, the realm of universities so i would like to start off with um, you know a simple question what do you guys do right now like do you guys have anything going on i'll start um i do have a lot of stuff going on right now so actually this semester i'm applying to medical school so the application opens up in may 
Um, so I will be doing that. I also take my MCAT, which is my medical school admissions test. So I've been studying for that a lot. And then I also graduate. So I'm super happy about that. Congrats. Um, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, just been studying a lot. I do research at the Health Science Center um, with Dr. Smith Lab. She's uh, in under the Department of Neuroscience and Experimental Therapeutics, and I've been there for about two and a half years. So just been doing that, um, studying a lot and trying to get uh, my medical school application ready. Yeah. Nice, nice. And this wow. is at A&M, right? Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm a senior at Texas a <laughs> In school. And is that common, though, like to be like in your last year of school and taking or preparing for the MCAT at the same time? Yeah, kind of. It kind of just depends. So I'm actually taking a gap year. Um, oh, okay. So I'm mm -hmm. applying to medical school now and then I'm going to. I'm going to take a gap year and I'm going to be working as a scribe or as an EMT. Um, not sure which one yet, but mm -hmm. most people. I would, a lot of people take gap years, but there's also those people that take their MCAT and they apply, um, and like right out, right out of, um, college, they just go into medical school. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, they just yeah. hit the ground running. Yeah. They just hit the yeah. ground running. I don't know how they do it. Cause it's takes a lot of mental, <laughs> yeah. you I know, yeah. but I mean, there's no, no right I'm or wrong. Sure a lot insane. of people take gap years. It's really, mm -hmm. it's really common yeah what about you maria yeah um catherine so nice that you're applying right now it's yeah. stressful yeah. <laughs> right i wish you the best thank you um, yeah and by my side uh so i'm maria i'm from costa rica and i'm in my last year of my undergrad degree um about i'm a biotechnologist and i'm working as a bcc researcher at rice university and doing research related to synthetic biology and cancer so uh it's really interesting because it's very different from the uh usa uh, i don't know the process after mm -hmm. you are an undergrad because then i have to to do this thesis project that it's gonna be like my training to the, the defense that I have to present as a PhD. So it's like kind of similar, but of course it's a little bit easier. <laughs> so I'm working right now on that project that I have to present in Costa Rica. And later on, I'm going to be applying for a job. So I'm under that also Ooh. stressing process of finding jobs here in the US. <laughs> and besides that, I'm also part of the Open Science and Accessibility Committee for iGEM. And for people who don't know about IDEM, IDEM is a synthetic biology competition that it's uh, like the headquarter is in Boston. And it's just so big. And I was part of it like a, a few years ago. So now I'm part of that committee that it's trying to um, avoid the barriers related to uh, the accessibility, of course, for Latin America countries to do synthetic biology. Yeah. Well. That's do you want to practice here or do you want to practice uh, back home in Costa Rica? Oh, I actually want to practice here. And I think that broke my family story. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but there is definitely more opportunities uh, for technology here. Mm, okay. That's also true, yeah. I would imagine that the job prospects are a lot more common here in the U.S. <clears throat> than back in Costa Rica. Yeah, but even though I'm trying to do my best to help, uh, to connect 
politics with uh, the social, like public, and the academia to actually get to <laughs> in Latin America. Nice. So, um, a bit of a follow-up question for you guys. You guys have been doing research um, for a long time now, or at least for a long time in terms of y'all's ages. But is there um, a specific difference that y'all have seen with the way that research works within academia and any other institutions that function differently? So last year I was working for a startup uh, in San Francisco. And it was so different from academia, <laughs> yeah. so different. It was super shocking for me to, to go back to academia and see the difference in terms of uh, how, like people don't usually say hello, good morning, and there's no one saying good job, <laughs> like it's very <laughs> individual. Uh, and it has its good, like its benefits and pros and cons, yeah. Mm -hmm. So being in academia has its pros and cons, and I think like the cons is that like, people it's very um, individual and then in the startup life everything everyone is just like they really want you to feel part of a family because that's related to productivity and and other stuff so they are a lot more close to you and they always ask you how you feel and they give you things <laughs> it's very different but i think like that the goal it's it's totally different one it's super personal and the other one it's like very close to a team so I think that's like the most uh, important thing that I can compare between those two worlds and I can also um, compare between countries so for me it's, it has been a very uh, di different situation to do research in the US compared to Costa Rica because of course we have a lot more uh, barriers in Costa Rica so I can summarize it in that the difference is uh, a little, a lot more about the time that it takes to do research. Yeah. Nice. I I had no idea that it was that different. I would imagine that because usually you would expect for something that's academia-wise, or at least when you're in academia, but you're also an undergrad, you'd feel like there'd be a lot of hand-holding because you're just starting out, so you really have no idea of how anything works. But, it, I mean, the description that you gave sounds a little cold. Not in the sense that they don't care about you, but in the sense that, um, like you said, you have to focus on yourself. But it's really nice to see that in the startup world, at least, uh, which obviously there's different ways of, uh, you know, for institutions to work outside of academia. But in the startup world, from what you've seen, it seems like it's very... Um, I'm not say family oriented, but it kind of feels like that, right? Because like you said, people are looking out for you and they want to see if you're like, if you like what you're doing. And that sounds honestly very nice. Um, yeah. Like the team, that's what she was saying. Like the team aspect, like yeah. if she's to do something, it's to the benefit of everyone, not just herself. Whereas in academia, it's like when she does anything, it's to get that greater, to better herself or to move on her education. Whereas, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, from the outside looking in, it just seems like if profit is like the number one, well, I'm just assuming if profit was like the number one motivator for the startups, they just care about results over the process. So that's what it kind of seems like. Like in, they just care like, oh, get this done, focus on yourself and we'll, we'll move forward. Other than that, then but, you fail. But then like, isn't it like because the startups are usually like very specific to a specific need or something. So it's like 
they would want to make sure that that's done as best as possible because it's so specific right is it always it, it is is it money based no is it is it is money okay then, uh, <laughs> never mind <laughs> and they're going crazy but i was just thinking that because like they're they're usually very specific on what they're trying to do or ac- accomplish even if it is money based it would be more of them trying to yeah. i don't know have that team effort and the morale whatever so i don't know yeah, I think right it's actually it's more uh relate to the productivity like what managers want is you to be as productive as you can be so at man the- so they'll give you the boot they'll get you out of here if you're not doing what you need to get done <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's life you were, the, you, were, you were the family on monday and on friday i don't even know you <laughs> oh that's no. crazy that's crazy damn yeah but i need to say that that was my case uh i have like a wonderful relationship with my so yeah they're pretty you're still family still a family good save good save yeah good save (laughs) i think it also like depends on like what lab you're in and how like involved your professor is like for me being an undergrad and also doing research they do hold my hand a lot in like in the beginning because I didn't know anything coming into research. I didn't know, you know, what the heck I was doing. And so they had to really hold my hand and like teach me like every single process and all the skills. But once you get in the hang of that, they like, you know, allow you like for me now that I've been in lab for about two and a half years, I can go in and I can do my own project and I can just, I don't need the help of anyone else. Um, So I think it, it, it varies between professors how involved they are and how 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 controlling they are but um at least for me i feel like my professor right now allows a lot of independence um and it also depends on how much they trust you how long you've been in the lab things like that yeah i've heard that too you know it depends a lot on the person that's actually leading the project that you're helping out with and obviously you yourself are a factor if you're just starting out you're definitely gonna need some help or you can't be given too much responsibility but it helps out whenever you do have someone that can help you to the point that you need to be helped but at the same time they will give you that room to grow and the opportunity for you to find out like what you like and learn through your own mistakes quote-unquote mistakes because there can't be that many mistakes as well but um no it's cool it's, it's also it, it does suck that you're at the mercy of whoever's leading the project because i've heard some horror stories too both from like people our age and like my mom for example she used to tell me some horror stories back when she was in in her phd but you know it's, it's a nice perspective i guess it definitely has given me a whole different perspective to medicine um, and I'm sure Maria can say kind of the same thing. It researches for me, like it has taught me a lot of like team building skills and a lot of patience. Like those experiments are really stressful and annoying sometimes because you just come in and you really have to do the same thing every single day. But in the end, you learn so much. And I think you can learn so much from research. I totally agree. I had the most uh, wonderful experience in doing research in Costa Rica because my teacher was, oh my God, it's impressive. Uh, he was the person who 
was leading or giving all the power to women. Um, so my friends and I were pretty much the leaders there and we really felt like, like we were really empowered by him. So we really started to feel like we were capable to do whatever we wanted uh, in terms of doing research. So I totally agree that classes can teach you a lot about how the cell works, but then research really um, challenged you. And, and yeah, like uh, makes you feel like, or makes you realize where you're capable of. And I, I, I really need to say thanks to, to my teacher because yeah, I have like the most wonderful experience. Yeah, like in class you learn like, you know, what the cell does and like these facts right? But whenever you go into research, you actually have to apply skills and you have to apply that knowledge and like take it into an experiment. And you also learn how to critically think because not every single time that you do an experiment, you're going to get it wrong at some point. Like it's not bound to be perfect at all. You know, you're mostly going to be wrong most of the time. You're going to spend most of your time in lab troubleshooting and correcting your mistakes. But you learn so much from that. And luckily I've had a professor that has allowed me to really grow independently, but also as a team, you know? I don't know. I, I'm just I really guess, thankful as well. I guess almost like you said, like it's teaching you a lot, even outside of academia and outside of the classroom, it's even teaching you life skills, right? Like patience and like you said, critical thinking. Is there anything else that you guys found that you possibly learned from this? From these experiences um i gotta think on this one um i've learned a lot um i think for me a big one that i did mention was learning to speak scientifically to someone else because mm -hmm. i came into the lab and i'm just used to doing these presentations in class over diabetes or something but <laughs> i've never really like learned how to speak scientifically and I was able to participate in uh, two symposiums where I was able to present my data in front of people. And I really learned how to, you know, write an abstract and, and, and follow that order of, of, of um, scientific writing, right? And so I think that one's a huge one for me. Um, you know, I was, I had to get out of my comfort zone whenever I, I was so nervous during that first symposium because I had never presented something like this and it was getting judged by people and wow. um, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah that must be scary so it was yeah. scary but i mean you learn a lot and it really helped with my communication skills i feel like so th that's a big one and that i'm gonna take that into medicine whenever i speak to someone like you know how to speak to them like professionally but also in a way that whoever i speak to can understand what i'm saying even though like it's a little bit more scientific you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 it's that lingo that you don't really know about f at first until you get into that world yeah literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then uh, so like real quick so then when you do all the, these things like and you have to speak scientifically to people who actually know what they're talking about is it mm -hmm. difficult to then try to relate it back to someone who's like a casual or doesn't really know because like when i have to like do things about politics i have a degree and then you know people all your uncles and aunts they know more than the degree than you got in politics for example so they try to talk to you and it's sometimes you have like a difficulty of like you've already known this and it's like 
politics one-on-one but it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't really have that like foundation so do y'all struggle like when you have to talk to science to like just like ordinary individuals that don't have that foundation um i i i have struggled with that before um just because I don't know, since it was like my first like two years at research, I kind of didn't know that much knowledge behind what I was doing. Like, you know, neuroscience is a huge field. It's a huge field. And I only knew a little bit of it. And I was an undergrad and I didn't know that much. And so I really had a hard time like explaining things to like just normal people because I had such a narrow knowledge and it was very scientific. But over time, I feel like I've gotten better at explaining it. And um, like I said, with presenting it to so many people, like whenever I had those symposiums, I would present it to my roommate. I would present it to my mom, you know, my boyfriend. And so like, I try to vocalize it in a way that wasn't just like something that they couldn't understand because in the end of the day, you want someone who is scientific, you know, like someone from the professional science field to understand what you're saying, but you also want anyone to understand what you're saying. Like that's a whole point of science. It's to educate people in general, whether you're a professional or not. So I think it takes time. It's, I think it's definitely like you have to have a balance between the two. And I think it's been hard for me. It's also been hard for me. Like, I don't know, since like I said, I don't have that much knowledge, like it's hard for me to talk super scientific too, because I'm just learning this, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know. You're it better than me time. though. You're better than me because when I was <laughs> younger in high school and I didn't, my mom used to always be that mom who's like, even if she doesn't know what you're talking about, like she needs to see what assignment you're doing, right? To make sure that it's on point, like back in high school. So <laughs> if you're saying you're presenting, you're trying to like make sure they understand. No, for me, I'm trying to make sure I get through this as quickly as possible so I can go back to playing a video game. So I'm t- talking about some history <laughs> assignment, whatever. Oh yeah, so-and-so did this and did that. She's like, oh, okay, very good, very good. And then it's over. That's simple. So you, you know what? Props to you. You're better than me. But uh, you know what? We need you in the world. So that's that's, that's, that's yeah, that's yeah, thing. yeah. But Maria, it's not just people that to... know, it's people that know how to explain it, especially to the dummies like us. Yeah. But Maria, Maria I want to see what you have to say about things you've learned further to apply to your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a I had a very uh funny story because I went to iGEM and this competition was like I just Think that there are no words to explain how item is for a person because it's like a competition but for one year and you have to um collect a lot of money to make it happen and you have to present you have to do research you have to present it you are taking classes too and i was at the lab at 3 a.m like i yeah i just arrived home at 9 p.m after classes and then i said to my my father like I have to go back to the lab <laughs> at 10 <10 a>. p.m. <laughs> yeah. He was there until 3 a.m. Things like that. It was just so, such a crazy time for me. And during that time, I had because I have to collect so many money or so much. Um, I was able to talk to so many people, and also I have to do like this human practice thing, which was related to politics. So I had to talk to so many. Um, important people uh, related to, to politics in Costa Rica and I just felt like 
I again like I could do whatever I want like I could talk to the president of Costa Rica to say that biotech <laughs> is important for the country you know and there is always a person who could, who could connect you to the president of Costa Rica well actually mm -hmm. it's, it's because Costa Rica is very small <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. Either way, that's still See him at the incredible. grocery store, you're like, oh, president, how are you? <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, I had to collect, like, I don't know, $10,000. Like, it was like $15,000. And for students, of course, it was very difficult. So I I did like a theater presentation and I just talked to the manager from the theater and I said, like, I need you to give me uh, just a night here and I could do like a show and stuff for free. You know, and I just got it. <laughs> so everything was pretty much from from scratch, and it worked. So I think science really pitched me that I could do anything just talking to the person, to the right person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. Yeah, I wanna I wanna circle back to something you said a while back, Maria. But you were saying that your professor, um, the the guy that really helped you out was very important to you because he gave you and the other women in, in the group um, the power to do whatever you guys needed to do. And that, that was very instrumental to your path afterwards. Um, so I want to ask you too, the, like, how's the world in STEM and in, you know, the, the medical field in biotech, how is it for women or at least what have you seen so far? Yeah, it's very different from the experience that I had. And it's so sad to say that, but it's what it is. Um, when I arrived here, we have like this uh, amazing, uh, I don't know, like once a week we have this chat with the whole team at Rice and we're talking about culture and politics and other stuff outside the lab. And for the Women Die International Day, we talk about women science. And I had like this amazing perspective of being a woman in science. It was like my first week at Rice. And then I just, I, I was, I just, um, I realized that the situation was very different outside my life at Costa Rica. So it was very sad. Of course, I, I have heard that before it related to science, it related to other uh, fields of work, but it, it's pretty much everywhere. And I think my my situation or my experience uh, related to empowerment, it, it was very unique. And it was definitely related to the environment because now I think there's people with the same capabilities as, as I have, and they just don't feel like they could do it. And it's because of the environment they're in. So I really felt that uh, Sadly, comparison, what I arrived, um, I don't want to say like it's like an US issue, it's everywhere, but it's uh, something that women in science, it's, it's not as equal as it should be. Yeah, so it's more difficult, I'm assuming. Um, I was just going to say, like, I think my journey has also been different because the people around me have been really encouraging. You know, my family always pushes me, like, even though I'm a woman, like, I can still do it. I can still make it. But like Maria said, like, that's not the reality for everybody. And the reality of, the reality of it is that there's a lot of stigma behind women in medicine. And there's a lot of um, 
just a lot of, I guess, things that can discourage women from getting these higher positions, right? Um, I think that that obviously needs to be something that has to be worked on. Um, I think I, like I said, I've felt really encouraged by people, but I felt this bias on myself before because I doubted that I could become a doctor. I doubted that I could be, you know, intelligent enough to be a doctor and all these different things. And the reality of it is, is like, I've never really seen that, maybe not as much, now I see it more, but before I didn't see someone that looked like me, that was Hispanic, let alone that was a woman, be a doctor there's not that many people out there and that's the reality of it and i feel like a lot of it is because like i said there's this internalized bias that oh hispanics can't do this or women can't be this or all these little different things that discourage people from being in these positions and motivating them to go through that whole process and so i think for me luckily i've had friends that like have always been super encouraging, but it's a sad reality that it has to be this, you know? And I hope mm-hmm. that I can encourage women and just people in general to be, you know, physicians or whatever the, they want to be, regardless of where they're from, what gender they are, because in the end of the day, that that doesn't matter at all. You can become anything that you want, regardless of, you know, your upbring- upbringing and all of that. Yeah, it's great to hear. It's crazy to me that even to this day, and despite what you think has improved over the last couple of years, you still find these major pockets of that persistent mindset. Like you said, that um, specific people can't become um, physicians or researchers or anything specific because it, it's crazy. It, to me, it's crazy because obviously you don't see that like uh in mainstream media in fact you see the opposite you see no no we need to fight against this blah 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 blah. but you don't see the specific examples that still happen every day but they're there right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think even bigger than that like calling back to an episode we have where it was called the future is women we're talking about um i think andrina was talking about women in law and she talked about that when she walked into rooms she wouldn't see anyone that looked like her and she talked about something i thought that was interesting that is not talked about it's called of like imposter syndrome when you get to oh. these places you like even though like let's say you have people that support you or think you should be there like everyone around you can say you're there you have a mental like thing where you're like i have to be better or do i even belong and it's an imposter syndrome that you place on yourself because you want to be like you want to feel like you belong and i thought that was kind of interesting because i think you was saying the same thing she was like oh like i people are supportive but i still have that thing where like i doubted myself and I thought it was so interesting because that's something we don't really hear, but I think everyone goes through. And I think once you go down like the, the ladder of like the roles people have and the power that they have, the more and more it persists. So I thought that was super interesting like to hear because it's oh. not the first time we've heard it. Yeah, in, in medical school, I've heard about the imposter syndrome like so many times. Like people go in there not thinking they're good enough. It's like this like, I guess like self-doubt that they have you know, and um, I guess I've even faced it in undergrad. And like, like I said, I, I really didn't know that I wanted to be maybe a doctor until I was freshman year. Um, 
because I was like, can I do this? Like, am I, you know, I'm, am I smart enough to do this? Like, this is such a long, hard process. And like, little by little, I had to prove myself that I could, but that doubt was still there, you know? And it still is there sometimes. It's it's not easy. Like, it, it's hard being a woman in STEM, you know? Um, but yeah, the imposter syndrome is definitely a thing in medical school. I've heard it everywhere. And um, it happens to me sometimes too. You just gotta take it as like, that's the time we're in, right? So it's like, I was just thinking about this right now, but like the first, uh, the first black guy to go into the NBA, right? He was probably like, man, like no one here looks like me. This is about to be difficult. This is going to be interesting. But then like, if you look at the NBA now, I mean, I think they're doing pretty okay. So yeah, <laughs> all I'm saying is it's like you're, you're in this time frame. That's all you can see is this time frame right now. But when you get much deeper and you're, I don't know, you're 60 and retired, you're even out of the job now. And you're looking at all the young women, the young Latina women who are now thriving in this position and even more just women of color in general it's going to be a very different story i think uh down the line so yeah yeah it's just we're just seeing it from right now from this view right now but it's this is the first step right getting into the the schools and not getting into your your jobs and all that stuff but yeah honestly i can't wait till the medical field is filled with catherine and maria clones just <laughs> to the point where like you're walking around in the hospital and you like you gotta push them out of the way it's like god there's too many of them <laughs> uh soon 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 and you guys will be the pioneers oh i i want to say something uh related to that clones because <laughs> uh in costa rica i was also a dance teacher for i actually like kids and uh, uh, teenagers and adults and all ages but my experience with kids were just it was just it was amazing <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I just had the chance to, to teach them about that the empowerment and that they are capable to do whatever they want so it, during the COVID um, quarantine I was able to to give like virtual uh experiment webinars so there were kids from let's see like four to seven or eight years just doing experiments and i i said like what do you want to do like i always ask why they want to do in the future and they were all like i want to be a chef but also like an astronaut <laughs> <So> <laughs> on the weekends <laughs> yeah everyone was pretty much into science and i think that's something pretty different um to what we were expecting to do before in the past and i think we are really setting the the, the basis for it so mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. so cool to now feel that we are actually putting the basis and helping them and open ourselves and um, the impact yeah and saying if there is sexual harassment then open it and and talking about it to then mm -hmm. make it like something normal to talk uh to when my kids <laughs> get to science and to medical school then it's gonna be like actually equal <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah breaking that stigma of these things that you can't talk about yeah no oh, it's fantastic I'm, I'm honestly i'm really happy to see that because more than i obviously i enjoy listening to success stories way more 
than to the obstacles that people have to go through. Even if I am inspired when people get to overcome these obstacles, I'm um, always a lot more willing to listen to success stories because I'm like, oh yes, someone finally made Progress. it. Progress. <laughs> Progress is being made. Yeah. Oh man. I was wondering, do you guys have like any specific obstacles that you guys had had to go through or um, anything that you see in the in the near future that you might have to go through? Um, for me, recently, um, I guess I went through it's I wouldn't even call it a obstacle, to be honest, but it's like super minor, I guess. But um, I did take my MCAT already. And mm, yes. it, I did pretty well on the sections except for one. And it was a critical reading section. And I'm going to retake it just to get that section up. But it was really kind of a blow to my confidence um, because, you know, I've worked for that <laughs> for so long. And whenever you don't really get the score that you want or you're not there with your expectations, it really sets you back and for me it was I really was upset for like a while because it's getting that into that mental mindset again of like oh my gosh I need to study again I need to get into the routine but it wasn't just like you know a routine in like December break it was like a routine where I have to like do school and do research and do all these different things and I'm also part of an organization so for me that was it still is a really big obstacle for me to find that balance between doing everything and because i like i'm kind of a perfectionist in a way i like to do things really well and so it's been hard i guess in that aspect um but yeah i think it's just a lot of self-doubt like just kind of trugging through that and like making sure that i get to where i want to be even with that in my head yeah. I think, though, if there's any kind of people we want in this field specifically, it's the ones who are perfectionists yes. to a fault. You know, <laughs> others like, ah, I did good enough. I, I'll, I'll get through with this. But we want those kind of people, you know, like she right. sees, she pinpointed the issue and says, you know, what, I'm going to go and attack it again. That's what we need. So get on you for that. That's why in interviews, people always say whenever they ask, they, they get asked, um, <laughs> what, what are some of your flaws? You're like, oh, I'm a perfectionist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that that's made it harder for these for for Catherine and Maria because those people are always just using because they looked it up last night on Google. But like, yeah, one's actually the perfectionist, you know. Anyway, but this is the <laughs> essence of who you actually are. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Maria? I feel like you have probably gone through more uh, um, nuanced obstacles because you've had to make the jump from Costa Rica to the U.S. So I'm sure you have your own specific set of. Um, you know uh, <laughs> obstacles to go through yeah i was thinking about all of them <laughs> while Catherine oh, was <laughs> talking but at the same time i'm not the only one who has those of obstacles or the only one that's gonna have it like i'm not the first one and the last one so of course, being apart from my family it's super hard uh, even more because i'm super familiar so it's pretty hard to be far from them but also it's something that i decide like it's my career and they are super happy for me to be here so 
it's not an obstacle actually and then money i cannot stay here for longer without money without being paid but that's something normal too. <laughs> like people need money to live so it's not an obstacle um what i think it's actually an obstacle is that i'm not a native uh speaker i don't know i, I don't even know how to say it but like an english native speaker yeah no you said it right yeah <laughs> you said it right yeah thank you See? <laughs> so it's, not, um, it's more difficult to communicate in the in the professional way um, and I think probably my boss don't uh, feel the same way about me uh, relate to someone who can speak like just like perfect you know because I have to think more about it I think it's gonna be like for the, uh, the first couple of years living living in here But I think if you could hear me speaking in Spanish, I'm just like the person who is going to convince you to buy, I don't know, the most <laughs> expensive house. But in English, I have to stop and think a little bit more. And that's something that it's uh, pretty much an obstacle. And also that the language, like the vocabulary is pretty uh, different when we're talking, as, as Catherine says about the, the scientific vocabulary. Um, talking about lead, leadership and other stuff, it's, it's different as being a brain yeah. Huh. yeah yeah um honestly i'm i'm really happy you said that because it, it kind of comes my own nerves <laughs> i'm gonna have to go through that very soon not to the same extent because uh thankfully english is internationally the the, mo the most widely used professional language no matter the field so for me specifically in europe it's gonna be english regardless But um, for you, who is um, fighting to learn as much as possible for English, it's going to be, I guess, a little different for me, who will be studying French just so I could, well, not just, but mostly, at least in the beginning, so I could um, integrate better to the place where I'm going to be living in and uh, with the people that live there. But it's not essential to my career. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mad props to you and, and anyone else who's doing that um, because it it's definitely difficult. What? It reminds me of Marlene. I remember she said, I think she said it. It was one of our podcasts and she was saying one of the bigger issues in the United, in the United States is that a lot of uh, Americans born in the U.S., right? If they hear someone who's speaking English as their second language, it's almost not everyone, but a good amount of people they'll hear it and then they'll automatically assume because they're not native english speakers that they know more than them or they or that person knows less than them right mm -hmm. on any given topic look imagine that like on any given topic just because someone is speaking with an accent whatever they're saying even if i don't know that topic they keep talking about like biochemistry astro whatever physics and it's like uh i'm not sure right that's that could be the idea because of how someone is portraying it but we all know that all of us come from backgrounds where we have parents or came from a different place and we know we know our parents we know people around us that's just obviously it's not true so that's another big uh, issue i guess in the united states but of course as the united states is getting more integrated um not a mixing not a melting pot what do they call it now the salad bowl or whatever <laughs> like everyone getting mixed in together right it's like yeah. now people are having more opportunity especially through college and all that stuff to hear other people and listen and your co-workers and uh, classmates are from different areas of the world people are beginning to see now like okay just because someone talks with an accent or talks differently guess what you have an accent too to them so it doesn't even matter at the end of the day but 
don't look at someone's accent and think that they know less than you just off of that it's just it's lazy to be honest so yeah. it's something good to work on in the united states but yeah. but with all of that comes with that accent sort of say also comes an experience that an american doesn't understand or will never yeah. know and people that are not like us or people that are different matter because it gives us a like let's say you're building something or you're trying to find a solution to something if you have just one way of thinking and that way of thinking is stuck and you don't try to find other ways then you're just going to be stuck in like this loophole of insanity so you mm-hmm. need like different people and to like see like oh you're different and this is like what you're bringing to the table okay we need more people like you we need more people like you and mm-hmm. i don't Amer- america like the higher ups understand like that we need it when it comes to reaching certain stuff but, like the normal american like will just judge people and they can't even say like biblioteca and they took spanish for seven years in high school but they want to be judging other people or they don't even know anything or they like you know just they go to a foreign country and they 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 look dumb because you know yeah. it's just they're very judgy they don't want to attempt doing stuff but we need more people to be able to even if they don't even speak english to bring them on because they bring something that we cannot have yeah like more point of views have. more different yeah. ways of thinking it's really important and honestly, I, I'm glad that Isaiah said something uh, a while back too. They said you can either underestimate or overestimate someone based on their accent, and that could be a little bit hurtful too. So imagine, for example, I mean, this is a silly example, but imagine that you're coming in um, to a culinary school, right, and you have an Italian accent. Someone, <laughs> like, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, this guy's gonna just destroy this He's class. Kill it, yeah. He's gonna kill or it." Or I'm gonna think the Argentinian, but that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dio has a. A vendetta. A vendetta against the Argentinians, you know. But uh, yeah, so it could work both ways. In, in like a more serious way, imagine if you're Indian, right? And you're coming into uh, a math-heavy program at a university. Mm-hmm. Now you have that stigma that people are going to think that you're smarter and they could either take it in a, in a positive way or, or in a negative way. And it could negatively affect the way that you are. So yeah, it, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. It's the pride aspect as well, like, because America, it's like built in, like, greatest country in the world, we're the best and everything like that, right? So it's like, it's hard to step down from that and be or have some humility, I guess. I mean, I, I everyone has a little bit. Of, once you get here, it's like, you can even feel that a little bit. But yeah, it's just taking a second to, I don't know, understand other people, stop separating. Politics makes it all <laughs> crazy. But yeah, yeah a false sense of superiority because like america doesn't survive if it's not for the people that come of other countries and come help or like the immigrants yeah like, literally with the vaccine it was like literally german i think it was like <laughs> turkish germans were able to come up with like hey, your think, people like, the original yeah my, my other people but i'm not gonna get too much into the i'm not gonna get too much into my turkish uh brothers and sisters and what they're doing but uh yeah yeah just turkish germans were the ones that were able to bring like the vaccine you have like like all the the war efforts a lot of post uh nazis came over here and were able to help out uh win the war it's just like i mean that's a horrible example but like you know I mean, Na- come... nasa's a very famous example you know yeah yeah there's just like we we are a country that is like one because of diversity not a lack of so it's kind of dumb when people just are like oh america first but that's not how it works so that's just i just think it's dumb but yeah 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 um just to so i want to bring our last topic in because um we are running a little bit out of time but to end it on the highest of notes i want you guys to 
tell us if you have any really wonderful experiences that are encouraging to both yourselves and anyone that could potentially look into what you want to do. Yeah, or like you have, if you had to give it advice to your younger self. Or advice, yeah. Yeah, what would that be? Like, that would be what I would think. Okay, as I said before, I think that all you need is uh, to believe in yourself. And even though that sounds super, uh, what's the word? Horny? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> cheesy. So, yeah super cheesy yeah even though it sounds super cheesy it's so true like you can convince everyone if you really feel like you can do it and you i'm sure that you could so for all my my little students uh, <laughs> and all the people that have that have asked me about being a biotech or applying for biotech i just said you have to believe in yourself and just talk about it and if you enter to the career then talk to the teachers that uh, have had labs and, and ask them for a position. Just say, I really, like, I can give you a lot to your lab. I can give, I can just give you a lot of, of culture, of motivation, energy, everything. Like, I know anything, but I know that I can bring all the things that you're missing. So if you mm -hmm. say so, then I think people it's going to be a lot more convinced and they were going to be like a lot more confident about their decisions so it's all uh, on you and i think uh, to summarize it for me the the best advice is just even though fake it if you don't feel that you have to, <laughs> you fake it till you it. make it but, yeah fake it until you make it but just yeah just uh convince people and give you give them the energy because that that kind of things you may you may think that everyone has it but it, they don't so we're all um like waiting for that people that have the energy so if you don't mm -hmm. have the intelligence for the intelligence no sorry the experience for now just say that you have the energy you have the motivation and everything so yeah yeah that's the most important thing i like yeah. it i like it I, I, to be honest, I totally agree. And I think the best advice I can also give myself, well, I have two, is one, to believe in yourself. Because like I said, um, I struggled with that a lot. You know, you know, I, I went from like, want to be a nurse and then like, can I be a doctor kind of thing. So I think really telling yourself that you can do it and literally writing a note in front of your mirror and like, telling you the purpose of why you do why you do like what you do why you do what you do sorry um is really important and like that constant reminder that you know you can do it you will do it you just have to put in work and it will happen and then the other advice that i was going to say was not being afraid to ask other people for help you know i felt kind of alone my freshman and sophomore year um, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into for medicine it was something that I really had to learn a lot by myself um, and I think asking for help people can give really good advice people can guide you people can put you in the right direction people can serve as connections like there's so many different things that you can get from just literally having a conversation with someone so I think asking for help like right now I'm the vice president of the Latino Medical Student Association. And one of my jobs Ooh. is, 
Yeah. <laughs> One of my jobs is to mentor people. And I wish I had that when I was a freshman. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, so I'm glad I can be that for someone else. So um, these little mentees come up to me and they ask me for advice for school and just outside of school stuff. Like, And it's really rewarding for me. But um, I kind of, I guess my advice is to ask for help when you need it because that one conversation can open up many doors that you didn't know were there. <laughs> I would join you, but I can't snap, so. Wait, what? what? I cannot snap. Bro, I can frat snap, but I can't snap. Frat what snap. is frat snap? This. Oh, oh no. I can't, see, I can't do that one. Most you've people can't. Much, I don't know why. You've been doing too much beer pong. That's how you know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> um, either way, Kat, Maria, those were both very good pieces of advice. Um, I'm sure that our listeners are, hopefully, if there's anything, anyone listening that is in the same boat as you guys and they're trying to find motivation to keep going forward or they have doubts about their, uh, about themselves, Hopefully they can use y'all's advice to, you know, take that extra step that they need to do. Because like Maria said, if you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else do? So, you know, that's a fantastic way of uh, ending our, our major topic for the day today. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, now we're going to do our transition to our reoccurring segments of the week. As you always. The Oscar, Oscar award winning. Oscar. Oscars. Nominated know, and winning because bro, we don't win mean, every single one, but we we no. I feel like you know the Oscars had really low like viewing, so I know like a lot of people didn't like view this most recent one, which is crazy. Y'all would have seen our, our Dude, Oscar it, award. It, it, no, honestly, who watches the Oscars to the point where they start talking about podcasts? Like, I I know. So like y'all yeah, exactly. didn't even see it. That's why Alex is win. gone. Like Alex is actually flying back on the PJ right now. But yeah, yeah Alex, just, gave, just, Alex gave the speech last night. Yeah, so yeah, so we yeah, like coming from that. But yeah, <laughs> message <Mess and> recovering. <laughs> yeah. As always, uh, we're going to start with Counselor's Corner. Um, I would like to open for, for anybody if you have any advice that our listeners should look into. Bro, but look what you just did, though. Like, you just told them to give advice. Now you're doubling down and asking them to give more advice. Hey, hold yeah, on. Yeah, but this, is, like, general. Finished, this is general. This right, is general. This is general advice. I know Catherine and Maria. If they got it, I'm open. Two huge bombs of advice. So if they don't want to go, that's okay. Um, So I, I guess I'll just go. Uh, For me, I mean, it's been, my advice would be don't be afraid to say I don't know. Uh, especially, like, when you just have conversations with people, like, we had today in the medical field or you're talking to people that know more it don't be afraid to say i don't know because some people will just go on and for they think they know everything they'll say they know this they know that and then they start talking and it's two different things of knowing and not knowing so i would just say saying i don't know is like the most i think the best thing you could do if you want to learn and i think it's like smartest people in history always say i don't know so i think don't be afraid to say i don't know and then learn from that instead of thinking that you know everything that'd be my advice I think nice. to to go off of what he kind of said, after you say, I don't know, it's kind of like, well, my piece of advice was don't make assumptions, right? Kind of what I was talking about before. Um, so like, if you don't know, like you said, don't assume something, go forward. And I just, I kind of just stole what, what Yadel just said. But anyway, don't make assumptions. That's, that's, that's my big point. Don't make assumptions. Nice. Uh, mine's going to be basically 
if you ever need to ask around for any sort of help, don't be afraid to go into your own family and circle of friends because you never know what you might find. For example, right now, I need to do a lot of stuff in terms of visa. I need to um, kickstart this process, which I know takes a long time and I've never done it. So I have no idea how it works. Turns out within uh, the circle of friends that my parents have, there's two people that could really help me out because they both know a lot about the Switzerland process for um, getting a visa. And I have an aunt that actually works with visa related stuff in Venezuela, so she can help me out. So if you ever don't know where to start, don't be afraid of asking your family and friends because there might be an expert in there. I think mine is taking care of your mental health. I think mental health is so important to have. I think we all are stuck in our own little routine. We are workaholics and it's just so important to take a step back and just take a break. And like, if you want to go exercise, go exercise. If you want to go out with your friends, if you want to have a sleepover with, I don't know, someone like do it, just take a break. Because if you don't have mental health, it's really hard to do anything else, right? So I think my best advice is to treat yourself sometimes, take a break. Uh, if you need to go to a therapist, go to a therapist, whatever it is, prioritize your mental health and your well-being over anything else. Hey, Catherine. <laughs> we're so connected. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> Did I know? <laughs> because we were advising, uh, in things related to science I just felt like I could say something that is more sentimental and now the best advice for me in, term, in terms of uh, mental health it's not to be afraid afraid of being sad of being nervous of feeling alone it's fine like it's part of the process uh, and it's a roller coaster and I just love to see life as a roller coaster and I really hug uh, my bats as I hug my goods. So for today, if you're feeling sad, just feel free of, of being sad. Don't feel nervous, don't feel like pressure, don't feel scared, just hug the feeling. And tomorrow is gonna be a better day. <laughs> nice. You know, trust the process, as they say. Uh, <laughs> all right, and for our last segment, uh, recommendations any books songs tv shows movies that you recommend our listeners to give it a try um so for me i was gonna like i'm gonna keep with the same theme of uh science not necessarily medical but my recommendation is actually one of my favorite books um to read when i'm actually starting to work and like i don't take time for myself or don't take time like to sleep so I, there's a book i really like it's called why we sleep by matthew walker and it literally talks about all the side effects of what happens when you don't sleep more than like seven hours. And I'm telling you, after you read the first few chapters, you're going to like start planning on sleeping. Like it's that like, like it's that crazy. Like he just oh, studies fuck. like he just studies sleep cycles. He studies like all of sleep because he says like sleep is one of the things that we don't really understand. So he has like he tries to study it with like other people around the world and he does research of it. And he put this in the book and it's like. I, I was gonna it's just gonna put into emphasis how much it's needed to rest. So that's my recommendation while we sleep by Matthew Walker. Sounds good. Um I'm just gonna, as usual, give you guys a song. This is to be by an artist named Mahalia. She's a UK artist. She does R and B music. 
great, great, amazing voice. I promise you. First of all, if you guys listen, if you guys actually listen to the music I give you guys, you know these R&B songs are amazing. I'm like, you can't tell me any different. I'll go toe-to-toe with anyone who says I'm wrong, bro. Come on. Mahalia, Hideout, amazing song. Go check it out. Dope. Uh, For me, I don't know why I haven't given this guy a shout-out yet because I listen to his music all the time. But um, it's an artist, so his his name is Home. And it's so Home Like a House, so H-O-M-E, stylized in all caps. And this guy is one of the pioneers for what you would call vaporwave, which I know it gives it a bad connotation. This is not really like that, but that's the closest um, genre that I could uh, that I could put to this. Basically, it's like very chill electronic music. That's not like lo-fi. It's a little bit different, but it's the perfect for me, at least the perfect music to study to or relax to or even um if you're on a road trip and it's like you know you just want to mellow out during the road trip just put that song or put put that artist just don't fall asleep uh, <laughs> but yeah um give him a shot he has a very famous song that people use as a meme for a while it's called resonance so if you want to check that song out first do so my recommendation is actually an influencer on Instagram that I love. That's <laughs> the <it's>, first. <laughs> I yeah. just, I literally just love her, but um, her name is Chrissy Chella and she is a lifestyle coach and she um, promotes a lot of like uh, exercise workouts. Um, she has her own exercising app, which I am planning to buy really soon. She has her own active wear. She's all about woman empowerment and I don't know. Every time I see her, she makes me feel really good. Um, so I recommend you guys check her out. If you're interested in like exercise and all that, definitely check her out. She's great. And if not, if you're not interested in exercise, she'll, she's still great. She has a lot of like life tips that she can give you. So definitely recommend her. And for me, because when I started Biotech, I really didn't know what it was. <laughs> uh, because I, I've been talking about synthetic biology. If you want to know what it is, <laughs> I have a very good book that it's called Safe by Science. And it's by Dr. Mark. And <laughs> the last name is something similar to Poznanski. <laughs> but Safe by Science. That will explain you a lot about synthetic biology. Oh, nice. Let's see that I'm not the only person here that recommends stuff that pertains to my major, regardless of our listeners. <laughs> Your major? Your my major. major. This, guy, this, guy, this guy acts like I don't recommend the book like every time I'm on here. That's hey. mad disrespectful. <laughs> I didn't say anything about you. And the only out. person on this podcast who has stuff about their major. That's literally what you said. Oh, hey, yeah, you did say that. Exactly. I said, I'm not the only person. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, anyways, um, I had a lot of fun today. I hope you guys had a lot of fun, too. It was really eye-opening to hear y'all's stories and y'all's journeys. So I want to thank you guys again for coming on the pod. It was fantastic to have you guys here. And we're very lucky that you guys said yes to our invitations. Oh, thank you for having us. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys and hopefully whoever's listening learned something today. <laughs> I totally yep. agree. Hope so. I hope they have fun. And yeah, I really enjoyed the journey with you guys. Uh, I'm feeling so honored to be part of it. Yeah.
Nice. Well, uh, thanks again for coming in. And we hope to have you guys on the pod at some point in the future. We would love to. And we will be signing off now. So, again, thanks for listening, guys. We know you always listen to the end. So, uh, thanks again. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. And have a great weekend. Peace. Peace. See ya.